Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. And those online, thanks again for joining us. Um, first, I want to say give thanks for Paul for sitting in last week for me. And also thanks to all of you and your prayers. I appreciate that so much, and I thank you for that. And let's continue to pray for those are not feeling well still, and, um, and keep them in your prayer life as well. So that being said, let me open in prayer, okay? Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you, oh yeah. You are unique. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to your words, to who you are, and Father, the love and the mercy that we find in your son, Yahshua, our Messiah and our King. Father, we thank you for that. Be with us today as we look into your ways and your words, Father, and help us all to grow closer to you and become more in the image that you desire us to be. We thank you again for your set-apart spirit to empower us to overcome all things. You are our Elohim, you are our God, and there is none again like you. Amen. So, uh, comments and questions, as you guys know, just raise your hand. There is two mics out there. They will find their way to you. And we just asked to be <clears throat> on the subject that we're talking about. And this time, I'm, uh, as I'm going through, I'm going to be on a specific subject, you know. And, um, and I know that can be hard for me and all of us, because even in my own studies, I'm looking at one thing, and I find myself over here and there. But if we focus on one thing at a time, that's how we're going to build our faith and our understanding, I believe. I think that is very important. So with that being said, a reminder, this is ultimately just not like my personal Bible study that I'm sharing with you, okay? And my hope is is that it will challenge us, edify us, strengthen our faith and our resolve with our God, the Elohim of Israel, and, and ultimately the walk with our Messiah, okay? So as far as review, it's important to recognize the persons who we just read about and how they are defined here by one another from the author, okay? The terms used for these groups that are here, and I'll point them out and we'll see them uh, real briefly here, but these terms used for these groups, is there more definitions behind it? Uh, yes, I guarantee you there is. But again, like what I'm saying, I let's stick with the simple comparisons first. If we do that, then we can build out later on. So in that, what I'm saying is, we're talking about Peter and his companions, okay? This is right after the, uh, the vision that he had, 
Okay, so Peter's a Jew. He's a product of the synagogue. And then he's also a product of the teachings of Messiah. A member of a set-apart people, okay, who are called out to live differently from the rest of the nations uh, that are around him. And that is shown in one major code of conduct. And that would be those laws that were handed down to Moses from the heavens. Elohim and his commandments, the Ten Commandments, and much, much more. That is the very code that he is to abide by to make him different from the nations. Peter's also, then, he's a seed of Abraham by bloodline. I think that would be kind of safe to assume, okay? Again, a product of the synagogue. Now, remember, that would be a mixture of the law of Moses and the traditions and the elders, accompanied by the, whatever interpretations that were from coming from the law of Moses and that were eventually set for the people. Um, and for sure, he, I would guess Peter was circumcised. Okay, Then we also have Cornelius in his household. He's a Roman. He's not a Jew. Okay, A God-fearer, a righteous man. That is, to me, when it's saying that, it is a, that he is a righteous man, then that, to some extent, he's obedient to the law of Moses to some extent or practice just with the terminologies, okay, that we see all through Scripture. He, too, I would imagine, would be a product of the synagogue as well to some extent. How else would he understand or know of the God of Israel if it wasn't coming from, you know, a Jew at the time? And ultimately, Jews at the time, they're connected so close to the synagogue that really regulated most of their life, okay? Because you wanted, that was your support group there amongst the nations, all the others, especially with the Romans and what have you. So, so that's where I believe he would have learned the God of the Hebrews uh, in that manner. Now, there is no divine revelation of Israel's God to him spoken to him, or at least that we're aware of, spoken to him before this event where a messenger came and told him someone's going to come to you. Okay, so, so Luke also says in this description, because Luke to me is the author of Acts. So Luke also is, describes him as a dedicated man. He taught his household and his family and the servants. Works, plural. Good deeds, plural, are added descriptions of him. That would be defined then by, again, the law of Moses. I would suggest that this righteousness that's applied to him, that would be the righteousness that we see that Scripture defines what is right and what is wrong. Ultimately, righteousness coming from the Almighty, from the, from the mountain. Was he circumcised? Don't know. Don't know if that would be included in this definition of a righteous man at this point. But it doesn't say. So let's not say one way or the other. Okay, one thing for sure is this, that his prayers, his deeds, 
came to Elohim and Elohim acted in his life to bring him this good news of the Messiah. Okay? Which I would say that he was probably quite aware of someday would come. Just being associated, you know, being a righteous man. Maybe, maybe not. But Elohim went out of his way to make sure that he knew of this Messiah. Okay? There's no reason to think that he might have had, uh, that he would not have had that same type of hope that the, the Jews um, of Israel would have had. I don't know. I'm just debating that real simply. Okay? But what is not here is a, these are going to be the terms we're going to look at, is not a Gentile, one from the nations who worships another deity. He's a Gentile, but he's not, is what I'm getting at. Okay? So he is not one of those from the nations that does not know the Elohim of Israel. Obviously, we see that he did, was quite aware. So we got this Gentile label going on here. So, so what is going on here in this section of Acts? The terms may... Um, maybe have broader definitions, but uh, and we, we can look at that later on in the study in Acts, but in ultimately later on in our studies. But let's stick with what what is being seen here, and what I'm saying is the the opposition or the comparison uh, to one another of these two groups: a Jew and a Gentile. Okay. So, with that being said, let me begin this from the Gospel of Luke, who, as you know, wrote Acts, and ultimately it was one work. It will help us, um, and it will help us with our talk today, or what I uh, really want to focus on and for us to think about. So, Luke 2, it says this. In the same country, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Wow, awesome story. You're all familiar with it. And look, a messenger of Yahuwah stood before them, and the esteem or the glory of Yahuwah shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the messenger said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I am bringing you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Because there was, born, there was born to you today in the city of David a Savior who's Messiah, the Master. And this is the sign to you. You shall find the baby wrapped up, laying in a feeding trough, and suddenly there was with the messenger, a crowd of heavenly hosts praising Elohim and saying this, esteem, glory to the Elohim in the highest that it could be, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Good news to all and peace to those who, whom he is pleased. Take note of that last part. Does everyone get peace here? Is being peace proclaimed to everybody? Now, I would suggest, I know in your translations, I would suggest this is a clearer translation of what's being, 
being proclaimed. Verse all the Greek manuscripts that are going on, and most scholars, even though there's hot debates about blah, 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 most of them come back to this point. And I'll point this out. I think it's a scriptural foundation why this is correct. That peace only comes among whom he is pleased with. All the scripture, there's this comparison of those. Is peace going to come to an evildoer and a murderer? Right? Just that simple fact. There's the wicked and then there's the righteous. There is no peace. Proverbs so many times speaks about there will be nothing for the unrighteous, for the wicked. So, does everyone get peace? Even Matthew, since we're, I wasn't sure if they're going to share this, but think about this. Even uh, Messiah proclaimed this concept. I indeed immerse you, this is John the Baptist speaking, I indeed immerse you with water unto the repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals, I obviously I'm not worthy to bear, he shall immerse you in the set-apart spirit in fire. His winning, winnowing fork is in his hand, and he shall thoroughly clean his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his storehouse. That's the good stuff, right? But the chaff shall be burned with an unquenchable fire. Right there is that same comparison. The chaff doesn't seem like they're at peace, do they? But the, the good seed seems to have peace. Okay, now I did that because of what we're going to be talking about, that basic principle. Okay, so let's begin Acts 11 here. And the emissaries and the brothers who were in Yehuda or in Judah heard that the Gentiles also received the word of Elohim. And then Peter went up to Jerusalem. Those of the circumcision were contending with him, saying, you went into an uncircumcised man and ate with them. But Peter began and set forth in order, saying. So Peter's going to say, okay, yeah, I understand what just went on, but let me tell you something. Last we heard, there was a persecution that was going on, and you'll see it later on. It still is continuing. That persecution isn't coming from Rome for anyone else. That persecution is coming within Judaism itself. That means... Ultimately, Jewish brothers and Jewish brothers have severe disagreements about this one from Nazareth. Okay? That's how Acts began shortly. You see that persecution. Acts 8 really specifies that before we're introduced to Paul. And on that day, there was a great persecution against the assembly that was in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout all the countries of Judah, Samaria, except the emissaries, except those were the core. They stayed back in Jerusalem. So I don't see here, this is a general population here, in the sense that it is just a sect against a sect. Okay? 
the emissaries and the brothers who were in Judah heard that the Gentiles received the word of Elohim. So this contention that's going on is within Judaism itself, let's say. For, and I'm using Judaism just as a lack uh, or just an easier way to dis- explain the faith of those who were worshiping the God of Israel. Okay? So what we have here then ultimately is Gentiles, Jew and Gentile being compared, but from whose perspective? The author and themselves who are saying this. Okay, it's not Elohim, it's not God, it is the narrative of those here in the text. It's their, their perspective, excuse me, and understanding. Now remember, their perspective and their understanding is influenced by what? The synagogue. Because that was the major, major thing. Even though they had various disagreements and ideas, it's still the synagogue was the core influence to all of the Jews of the time. That was the comfort zone. And I'll tell you right now, if I was back then, I would want to be close to the synagogue and my brothers because everyone out there, just like what we do here, we want to be close to the way we think versus how it's more comfortable here knowing that, man, I can trust, you're not going to take my wallet. Right? That type of thing. Versus being out there and having friends. and So I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. So did Messiah eat with Gentiles? This is interesting, and I'm, this is my own personal rabbit trail that we're not going to go down, okay? Let me put it that way. Did Messiah eat with Gentiles? He was outside with 3,000 and 5,000. Uh, were, were they all Jews or some Gentiles? I don't know. But ultimately, did not the apostles, especially Peter, Did he not see how Messiah behaved? What did he pick up in those years? Messiah ate with sinners and tax collectors, obviously. We see that. But were they all Jews to one extent? Okay? Now, there is a lot to consider here, and we will return to this later on um, about this entering and eating with a Gentile uh, subject later. But I do want to focus on the Gentile Jew perspective. Yes, Mark. Just a reminder that in verse 14, it says, uh, and brothers who were in Yehuda. Remember that that word Yehuda can mean a place or, the, or a person or people. In other words, it can also mean Judea. Yes, no, exactly. But, and, but I would suggest here it would be emissaries and the brothers who were in Judah or within the surrounding areas or wherever, you know, in that aspect, you know, where it was specifically to me, uh, me personally, it's specifically talking about uh, Jews specifically as far as part of Judaism as a whole and not outside foreigners and, you know, and that type of thing. So for me, let's, let's stay on, and I, like I said, I know I threw out a rabbit trail, but let's stay on point and continue with the simple Jew and Gentile subject. 
Gentile, ultimately, one from the nations. Okay, that's what a Gentile ultimately is. It's someone other than, than Judah and ultimately other than Israel. Okay? But what we have here is then this one that's outside the commonwealth of Israel is entering into the family. I think it's quite clear. They're like, wow, they're puzzled by this. So Cornelius then, it seems, just from what we have here in these first four verses that Peter's yet to, to go on, Cornelius seemed to be still considered a Gentile. Which I guess it's not that wrong because he wasn't Jewish and Hebrew or Israeli by blood or any other thing. Okay? But he was still considered a Gentile. There was a Jew, and like I said, there was all other. It was Gentile. Even though there, what we see here, even though you were obedient to the law of Moses to some extent, I would suggest. You were still considered full. You were not considered fully part of the family. Is that safe to assume? That's going on in this conversation with Peter and his, the emissaries, the other apostles, and the other brotherhood that followed along this sect of the way. That's what I'm putting forth. So he didn't seem like he was, or it was shocking that this occurred. One thing you can take from this vision of Peter is this. It is actions that determines if one is set apart, not man. It's Elohim sets the standard. Not Judaism, not Christianity, or any other denomination makes you set apart. It's only his commands and what Elohim says. It is. And that should be a message for all of us. So in that aspect, okay, do you consider Cornelius a Gentile? Because nowadays that term, yeah, more I started thinking about it, that term is really foggy. And to some extent, the way it's used, at least from coming where I'm from, and maybe how I was understanding how it was being used. He is one from the outside of the nations of Israel, but a God-fearer. And that God-fearer is the Elohim, the God of Israel. Okay? Now, it does say those of the circumcision. Circumcision being used maybe as a general label. I don't know. Again, that's one of those other rabbit trails we're going to go right by because we need to focus. Or let's say, a good brother told me, you've got to focus on the point. And even my wife was focus on that point. Uh, Polly, and we'll continue. I don't want to interrupt your focusing on your point. <laughs> However, um, the topic that you're talking about is not really far at all from what we're dealing with today. A current event, a current situation that we have in front of us today. So let me just, a, a little bit of background, we've talked about this before, that we say, or we have heard those that have a common belief as we do, say we keep Torah. Mm -hmm. But if we say that to our brother Judah, we don't have the same definition 
because when they say we keep Torah, it, it encompasses the boundaries that surround Torah for them. Torah is not just the five books, it's also the boundaries that they've set around the Torah to keep Torah. Yeah. So if you say, I keep Torah, to them, you're keeping all of the boundaries they've put around their traditions, their customs, which Paul talked about last week, their halacha, all of that encompasses keeping Torah. So if we're saying we keep Torah, and we're talking to our brother Judah, we've had, we've had these conversations, so just bear with me a little bit, and we say we're keeping Torah, they can't understand, but you're not, why aren't you doing, if you're keeping it, then you haven't converted to Judaism, you haven't done all of these other things that encompass keeping Torah. That's where we have the conflict. They don't care if we have the word of God as the boundaries we live by. Do it the way you do it. However that looks for you, we don't care how you walk that out. That's your thing. That's what you do. But when we talk to our brother Judah, they don't see that, wait a minute, this is our custom, this is our tradition, this is the way we do it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to keep Torah, I don't understand how you could be a Gentile doing what you're doing and say you're keeping Torah. So going back to what you're saying, perhaps this is a little bit of what's going on. They're seeing this Gentile, this uncircumcised, those of the uncircumcised, you've received the word too, but you don't do it like we do it. How can this be that you also claim to have the word, but you don't keep it the way we do it, the way our boundaries define. Exactly. And just, and no, just and, I was going to say, just remember that the term uncircumcised doesn't always mean in the flesh. It, 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 yeah, it has to do with what the, the covenant made with Abraham. No, and that's interesting because we got a lot of terms, but like what Polly's saying, I think is an important part to look at. And I think that's, to me, the core thing. Doesn't most of the issues come down to man's fiddling with their ego on what is right? Even just, okay, take Judaism and set them aside versus to what we do. We look at our Christian brothers. We got Baptists. We got how many different denominations? Well, you're not a real true Baptist if you didn't get this or that. You're not a true Pentecostal because you don't speak this or that or speak in tongues or whatever it might be. So, this is the issues, if I hope I'm not wrong, Paul, you're taking it, they are today just as much on our side of the family as it is on the other. So I just want to get back, okay, the, where do we need to be? Should we be concerned with all that, or should we just... Because if the, within the, the commandments of the Most High, let's say the Torah, because those are the instructions uh, given, if there's blessings and curses, I want to do them because I want to be blessed. And guess what? I don't care who you are. You're not going to tell Elohim that he can't bless me by doing these. So don't tell me to not do them. Dan, and then Barry. Or Barry, Dan, whatever one. Well, I'm Dan, and I have the mic. So I'll <laughs> whatever go first. One first. <laughs> uh, that seems to be the point of these two chapters is... Ten years after Messiah came and went, 
Peter is still thinking incorrectly that Gentiles are a lesser people than Jews. And clearly the point of this is the Spirit is trying to tell Peter through the shocking vision coming down out of heaven that you're wrong. You didn't get it when Messiah was here, so I'm going to tell you again, there is no Jew or Gentile in Messiah. All are one. Exactly. Right? So traditions or no traditions doesn't matter. It's Torah that matters. Now, we don't judge people on their traditions, but I would definitely say the Holy Spirit was correcting Peter that that tradition was completely incorrect, that you cannot... And people do it today. A friend of mine went to a Messianic congregation, and they told him that he wasn't allowed to keep Torah. Only the Jews there were. Yeah. And he said, well, this will be the last time I show up here. Hey. You know, and people do that all the time. So No, that, and I think that's 100% correct. And, and that's where we have to have our mindset. So if the Spirit is teaching Peter something, then let's go by what the Spirit is teaching and not what man's putting forth. And I know that can be difficult. And again, I think Dan said, traditions aren't bad in themselves, but we got to be aware of what they can promote and become above. Uh, Barry. I'm going to try to make this quick, although it may not be. Um, Torah tells us to eat meat that is lean, not to eat the fat. So imagine a piece of meat, fat, the gristle going through, the fat on the outside of the cut. How do you not eat the fat? You see what I'm saying? You can, it's, it's a matter of trimming it down to get as much as you can to be as clean a piece of meat as possible. That seems to be, I'm using that as a parable to the topic of which we're discussing because as you get further in the chapter, and I don't want to drag us further, but in in 15, they start talking about uh, what is acceptable for those who are not the regular Torah-keeping people, but these people who are living with other gods and eating sacrifices. But is that, is that what I'm saying? Is that, the, is that the exact case? I'm sorry? Living, you're saying that they were with other gods. You, that's, see, well, that's, yeah, and in the case of Cornelius, he's serving our God. But I'm, I'm saying, in general, they're they're doing other things. They've got the the Mother Mary in front of their house. They've got the things of uh, I, you know. But she's not Mother Mary. But no, what I'm trying I, to I say is, where you're coming from, they've they've come to they've come to the acknowledgement and. They've come to acknowledgement and love of Yahuwah. And in coming, their, their mindset is to change. Their heart is to change. They, their pursuit is to change, to become like the Mashiach. So, they, so the disciples say you don't have to be circumcised and the different things you don't have to do in chapter 15. It says, but keep away from these certain things. Make this a standard right away. Don't don't eat things strangled. Don't eat the blood. And but it all comes back to the the changing of the heart mm-hmm. and the pursuit of the Mashiach and the pursuit of our God Yahuwah to 
so not that they are not to keep Torah, but so that their heart be changed and there'd be a desire to learn and begin to follow and begin to do the thing. No, so, and, yes, no, and I agree with that. But, but in some ways, I don't want to get too far ahead. I still want to come back to just some simple foundational thing because I want to take us back to the Old Testament to some foundations for that because in some ways we're kind of which I I agree but if we start going we're going to maybe in my opinion miss some of the simplest things to understand first and, and I just want to say real quick to your the fat and I'd like to talk to you about it after service there's been a quite a few really good studies on it but it's not the fat you're thinking about so it wasn't prohibited about the the fat that's around the meat, but the fat around the kidneys and and, and the liver, and then the circumcised. I wouldn't, in my opinion, they're not speaking against circumcision. It was about a whole different thing. So we can talk about that after. Well, you know, <clears throat> teacher, I look at it this way: if you're really worried about that fat that you can't get out of every little strand of meat, then you should. Kill the animal, bleed it according to Torah, hang it up, and shave it. Yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, there's an answer for everything. Yeah. So, okay, uh, give me, uh, let me do Joe real quick, but then I do want to come back on point of what I want to share here because, in some ways, it's starting to stray from some simple things that we're overlooking. Okay, Joe. Okay, I think. Uh Peter was un probably understanding what was in the book of Leviticus uh, of the clean and unclean things. You have to give him credit for his understanding how far as it went. He did not see the full picture, but a lot of times I think that we we go to something that legal legalism, and God doesn't mean it like that. But we have to give Peter credit for what he knew and how he interpreted the scriptures. He was probably looking back at the book of Leviticus, eating clean and unclean things. Yes. Oh, thank you, Joe. And we're, Peter's going to explain that vision again. So, real quick, getting back to this whole idea. Now, take in mind that the scriptures are written in a particular way. That is the viewpoint that he gives those who he called out. Those who he called out, Israel and all others, are Gentiles or from the Goy or from the nations. There is a, a difference there. Okay, So there is a fundamental thing here. But ultimately it's based on, to me, Elohim and what he says and what he, standard that he set for this group to behave this way ultimately to be a light to those who are out there. And that's what I really want to look at, okay? Peter continues to explain this vision and understanding with his fellow Jews here, who ultimately, I would suggest, all of them are, have accepted this Yeshua from Nazareth as the Messiah. So that's who Peter's talking to. It goes on. Peter says, I was in the city of Jaffa praying in a trance. I saw a vision, a certain vessel uh, descending like a, a great sheet, 
let down from the, from the heavens by, by four corners, and it came to me. Having looked into it, I perceived and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creepy creatures and the birds of the heavens, all unclean animals, obviously. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise up, Peter, slay, eat. But I said, No, not at all, Master, because I'd never have. I, because whatever is common or unclean has never entered my mouth. And a couple of weeks ago or whatever, we went through what common and unclean, the two different terminologies applied to two different things in Scripture. The only time common is applied to anything edible, it has to do with the priest. And Peter's not a priest. Okay? So, I don't... So what I want to get here is Peter reviews for us what the Spirit revealed to him. So we've got to go by what Peter says, not what other things are going on. It's Peter's understanding from the set-apart Spirit. That's what we need to take home. He also witnessing to his brothers. Remember, Messiah said to them, the Spirit would lead them to all truth, even though Peter and others physically walked with him. That's amazing. They still had much to learn. Obviously, that's what's going on here, as we will see. Like us, we still have much to learn and apply and put things correctly when we speak with these terms and understand others using the terms, understanding where they're coming from. So, ultimately, this vision made an impact in Peter's, uh, Peter's life. I, I, I almost, for sure, maybe I'm adding, in, adding this, but Peter had a culture shock after seeing this. Okay? Luke, the author of Acts, really makes a point about this vision. It is again made clear that the vision pertain, what the vision pertained to. And it wasn't a dietary change for any of those who call upon the name of the Lord. To state it clearly, only what was food for the kingdom of God, it comes from Mount Sinai. If you eat anything other than that, you're missing the mark. That's biblical language is saying you're sinning. Okay? So food is off the table for right now, for a while. But the vision was and is about people, people, not food. In this event here is an example for us. Food law, no change. People of other nations being invited to enter the kingdom of God, guess what? There's nothing new there either. There's always been that open door for any who will call upon the name of the Lord. Right? That is really what I'm trying to focus on for us to take away today. Peter, a Jew, and Cornelius, a Roman, a Roman who feared the God of Israel, like stated before. This was a plan from the beginning. Every man ultimately has divine origins. In the image of Elohim, he made them. Doesn't matter who it is. All 
like Abraham, all must come out of man's ways to Elohim's ways. Abraham's an awesome example. Remember, Abram, a goy. He was from the nation. He wasn't Jewish. He wasn't Israeli or anything else. But he became a Hebrew because he was called out to change his walk, his life. Do you think Elohim used that specifically, Abraham, like that? I do. He believed, and then he followed with actions to the point of circumcision, since that has come up. But what is being revealed here behind the vision, that to me is what is being revealed behind the vision of Peter here. Well, nothing new as far as I can tell. It's not about diet, but the invite, the hand of Elohim to all to take and return to him, to his ways, that is nothing new. It is one of the major themes in Scripture, in my opinion, that's there. That is what was the, in, to me, that is what's in plain sight here. But, like some of our discussions and what we're looking at, but it gets hidden by man's doctrines and ideas and traditions. Let me show you what I mean, and maybe... Like I've heard already, some of you may know this already, but to refresh is always good, isn't it? It's always nice to know, well, I said that, and why did I say that? This is why I said that. Instead of just saying something, repeating from somewhere else, know the verses and the ideas that are there, right? So looking back behind what has been plowed already with us in Acts and even before, the good news to all. But the master said to him, this is talking to Paul as we go back, Paul, the apostle Paul, Shaul, he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to bear my name before who? The Jews? Before nations, before peoples. And that could include Israel, the Jewish nation as well. Sovereigns and children, uh, the children of Israel. So he's going to do both. He's just not for the Gentiles. He is for Judah as well, any Israelite. As we journey back, we'll see this pattern that's here, or this principle. Paul was called out for a purpose, a set apart for something. Set apart for something, a specific, called out of a way of thinking. Now, he's talking about bearing the name. Oh, okay. Well, remember what the name is. The name is the character of Elohim, the character of the Elohim of Israel, who he is and all who he's about and what he expects for his children, for his people. So I would say then Paul is called out than to show what is pleasing to Elohim. He's not going to show you anything other than that. Acts 10. And let me finish through these. I know might be running a little over, but I think it's so we can get this uh, uh, thought going down. Acts 10. And then Peter said, before 11, we're in 11, Peter said this, 
Truly, I see that Elohim shows no partiality. But in every nation, every goy, right? Every goy, who fears him and works righteousness is what? Accepted. Then it goes on, even to this extent. Those of the circumcision who believe were astonished. There's that comparison between the two groups. As many came with Peter because the gift of the set-apart spirit has been poured out on who? Someone other than the Jewish people. People in the nation. Specifically, someone who walks in righteousness isn't aware of the God of Israel to some extent. Now, I'm not saying there isn't others, but so far the picture isn't of a Gentile worshiping in some weird deities and other gods. Right now, it's only about Cornelius the, being compared here, a Gentile who also feared the Lord and did great deeds in righteousness, right? Did Peter not see this from Messiah? Messiah did say at one point he had much to share with them. I still have many words to say to you, but to you, not able to bear them right now. This is like he's talking to Peter, in a sense, in the group that's following him. But when, what? When the Spirit of truth comes, he shall guide you to all truth. That's what's happening here. The Spirit has come, just like promised, and is guiding Peter even further to all truth. For he shall speak, uh, he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he bears, he shall speak, and he shall announce to you, uh, to you what is to come. So basically, Yeshua told him, "There's going to be some changes coming. I know I'm going to go away, and, but there's changes coming." And it's interesting. Right after this, after Messiah says this to them, and having come, he shall reprove the world concerning sin. Concerning righteousness, concerning judgment, right judgment, how to judge things rightly, I would suggest Jew, Gentile, anyone obeying the commandments of God is your brother. I don't know, I would suggest that maybe. Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And I even think that talks about, anyhow, let's continue. And then he opened their minds, this is Yeshua, as we go back and through Luke. Um, he opens their minds to particulars following him on the way. And the repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to what? All nations. Beginning where? Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these matters. So Peter and everyone else, you're witnesses that there's things going to change and you're going to see because the Spirit's going to come and reveal to you more. His name to all nations. Again, we define that. His name is his ways. His ways were given from, from where? Only one source that we got his ways given to, other than Messiah referring back to those ways from Mount Sinai. Right? His house shall be a house, a prayer for who? Just Israel? All nations. 
Isaiah speaks of this, and that's the master Yahweh. See, I lift up my hand up to who? The Gentiles, the nations, and set my banner for those people, and they shall bring your sons in their arms and their daughters carried in their shoulders, and the sovereigns shall be your foster fathers and their sovereignnesses, your nursing mothers. They bow down to you with their faces. I don't want to go more into that, just where? To the nations. And it sounds like somehow there are those that are within those nations or out of those nations will come obedient people from whatever bloodline because there will be a sign to them. Thus says Yahuwah, even the captives of the mighty are taken away and the prey of the ruthless is delivered. And I strive with those who strive with you and I save your children. So it's kind of interesting there. Let's get back further here. And due to time, I'll go down here. Six, and you shall guard to do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding before the eyes of the people. Moses is saying, this Torah, this came down the mountain. This is your wisdom. This is your righteousness. This is, all right? These are the laws. Here and do all them. Only, be, uh, only a wise and understanding people is this great nation. This is spoken because if you do these, those on the outside are going to say, wow, I want to be part of that group. There's something about it. It's righteous, good workings. Good things are there. And ultimately, this might not be a perfect example, but is uh, the United States at one time to other people. I want to go live in the USA. There's... There's not all the corruption in our country. But anyhow, but there's that comparison of wanting to be part of something else because it has uh, an image of being righteous and good and being part of it. That's what Israel was to be. All right? It's very clear to me. A nation that is looked as and, and de desirable. Would you not want to be a part of that? That's why we want to be a part of God's people because it's much different than what we see out there. We want to be part of his family. Then I'll end with this. You are the light of the world. It is impossible for a city to be hidden on a mountain. You know, this Messiah said this. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, right? but on a lampstand, and it shines to all those in the house. Let your light shine before men so that they, they see your what? Good works, and praise your Father who is in the heaven. Do not think that I have come to destroy what? The Torah or the prophets. Because that's what's going to make you the light to those nations, to anybody I did not come to destroy them. Ultimately, I come to show you how to walk it out to be that light. For to you, I say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. goes on. But remember, the scribes and the Pharisees were putting in what? Their own doctrines and their own theologies. I'm going to use Christian terminology. The Christian church. 
unless your righteousness goes beyond the basic Christian who just signs his name and goes to church every once in a while, I think that's no different than just following a doctrinal and traditional type things. Tradition doctrines will not, do not matter, only Elohim's words. And for this reason, I have raised you up in order to show you my power, in order to declare my name in all the earth, all the earth, all the land. This is what's being, Elohim is telling Moses to Pharaoh. So all will know my name. All the nations. Isn't that interesting? Because it's about the Passover story. And that includes the blood of the Lamb, which would include that now we see the picture of the Lamb of God and His blood. Ah, I think that's just amazing. Moses com um, compiled the first five books Right here. That's part of this whole story. The foundation for all who enter this family. The vision wasn't anything new, just a reminder of what already is true. So let me leave it there, and we can come back next week. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are. And Father, we thank you that you revealed yourself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you revealed who you are. And there was a people faithful keeping your words. I don't know how you did it, but you did it. And Father, that we, we, whoever we are, don't know our backgrounds, our bloodlines or anything, but we can accept that same offer that always has been there. Thank you, Father Yahweh. Help us to become your child, not in the image of any doctrines or theologies or denomination, but in the image that you desire us to be. Father, help us to be wise and set apart for your name. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Those online will be back next week and we'll continue.